First Person is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, who rejoice in the stories of changed lives through the power of Jesus Christ. Learn more at febc.org. Just how beautiful it is to know God is there and in charge and good and using everything for for my good in, in my life to make me more like Jesus. Coming up now on First Person, you'll meet a bivocational pastor who spends every morning on the radio delivering the news on one of Chicago's top-rated stations. His name is Cisco Cotto, and he's this week's guest. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepherd. We'll begin the interview shortly after I remind you that anytime you miss one of our interviews or want to listen again or even share it with someone else, just go to firstpersoninterview.com. All of our programs are archived there. Click on the red Listen Now button for a drop-down list or use our free smartphone app, First Person Interview. Cisco Cotto is the voice that wakes up Chicagoans who want to know the latest news, weather, and traffic. He's the morning anchor at WBBM, the longtime all-news station. But what many listeners don't know is that he's also a pastor with a calling to serve the church. Cisco tackles both assignments with joy and a lot of energy. And recently, he was gracious to come to our studio for a conversation about what he does and why. Okay, Cisco, don't be nervous now. That That is a microphone. Uh, not that you haven't seen one before, right? <laughs> what is this thing here? <laughs> so great to meet you. It's good to talk with you. Good uh, to I've see heard you. your voice for so long, and both of us have worked at Moody Radio in the past, but never really connected with each other, oddly enough. Yeah, I've heard you on the radio for years. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I've never and I hear you every day. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Let's establish that you are the morning news anchor for the Chicago station WBBM, which is the top rated news station, uh, one of the top rated in the country, actually, certainly in Chicago. Yeah, it's really neat to be able to wake up. You wake up very early, 2.45 in the morning, and, and you drive all the way into Chicago, and then you get this real opportunity to... To not only be on the radio, but to be in a medium, where, uh, in, a, in a format where you are, you're waking people up by letting mm-hmm. them know what happened after they went to bed. Yeah. It's, it's really kind of neat. That leads me to ask this question. Why is it that everyone is so consumed with the sleep habits of people who are in morning radio? Isn't that the question you always get? What time do you go to bed? And what time do you have to be there? And when do you sleep? And you know, Because it's insane. <laughs> because it really is. Who wakes up at 2.45 in the morning? And, and so people are obsessed with asking me the question. But I'll be honest. I I kind of like telling them. It's sort of a badge of honor, you know? <laughs> you get some sympathy? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, boy. But then they always say, but I'll bet you don't have any traffic, do you? <laughs> no, no, I don't. All right. And let's also establish that that's not your whole life. You are a bivocational pastor. Now, I've talked to many pastors who are bivocational. Some are farmers who preach on Sunday. Some are factory workers who preach on Sunday. I've never interviewed a radio announcer uh, who is bivocational preaching on Sundays, but that's what you do. Yeah, talk on the radio and then talk in church. If right. if I lose my voice, I'm homeless. <laughs> it's, it's my only skill. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a campus pastor at a church called Village Bible Church, which is in the western suburbs of Chicago. I have been a pastor for a little more than a decade and, and sort of stumbled into that. I was this radio guy for many, many years, went to Moody Theological Seminary, thought I was just going to learn more about the Bible, and then when I graduated, my wife said, hey, hey, I don't think God sent you there just to, to lead a Bible study or something. Pray about your ministry. What's it going to be? 
And lo and behold, I end up being a, a church planter and now a longtime pastor. And uh, on the days that are challenging, I tell my wife, you got this started by, by telling me to pray. You- <laughs> yeah. Many years ago, Luis Palau told me the voice of God very often sounds like your wife. Yes. And I've never forgotten that. <laughs> That's exactly right. I go, man, if she says it and she, she doesn't manipulate it or anything, I go, boy, if Anna says it, I need to pay attention to this. Well, tell me your story. Let's begin at the beginning. Uh, you grew up in the Chicago area, so you are one of those guys who uh, is is stayed in Chicago. You started major market and stayed major market. All yeah, what years. a blessing yeah. to, to be able to start right in my backyard and stay there the whole time. Right. Uh, I was born in a home that was sort of uh, uh, yeah, open to God, but not, I wouldn't call it Christian. Uh, my parents were respectful of God. Uh, they, they would occasionally go to Mass, but not very often. Mm-hmm. And they sent me to, uh, and this is how I see God working, they sent me to a private Christian school simply because our neighborhood had a bunch of gangs in it, and they wanted to keep me away from the gangs mm-hmm. and the drugs and all of that. And we also had some neighbors that were Christians. And so uh, from a very young age, I was getting the gospel from these people and, and hearing about God and his love and his forgiveness. And from a very young age, at a Christian concert weekend, I responded to an altar call and even though there were a lot of stumbles along the way, from that point forward, maybe eight or nine years old, uh, I, I really say, man, I, I am following Jesus, mm. uh, which was hard w- without the household support. Yeah, you were the first in your family. Then. 100%. Yeah. Um, and so that it was really, really difficult. And yet now I look back on it and I see all the way through grade school and high school and, and college and beyond, uh, God just being there with me and, mm-hmm. and guiding me each step of the way. Mm-hmm. We'll talk more about that. I also love to talk about calling and how God has prepared you for what you're doing now. You and I have a similar experience in that when we were young, someone uh, came up to us and complimented our voices, which in my case, he was joking because my voice was changing. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I took it seriously. Yeah, I thought I was 15 years old. Thought I was Peter Brady or Screech or something like that. <laughs> I mean, no one at that age thinks they have a good voice. And a guy named Michael King, who was a longtime broadcaster uh, and uh, in the Chicago area, yep. Seattle, I remember Mike and beyond, yeah. Uh, he was speaking at my high school. I talked to him. He said, "You have a you have a great voice." And yes, I thought he was joking. And I mean, what are you talking about? No one's ever told me that. And he said, "I'm a baseball broadcaster. I'll bring you out to the ballpark. I do some things for Moody Radio. I'll bring you in there." He got an internship for me at Moody Radio in Chicago. And from that moment, from the moment I walked into those studios, I said, this is it. This is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Right. Yeah, from that, I mean, from that moment, it was this epiphany. This is what yeah. I want to do. I don't know what it's going to be like, but yeah. this is what I want to do. Isn't it interesting? Some people, that it happens to, and other people, they just struggle for years knowing what God's call in their life is. Uh, there isn't any one way that God calls, is there? No, and I I wanted to be a lawyer as, as a kid. That's what I thought I was going to do. I, you know, I'm going to be a lawyer. And then years later, I looked back and I saw my grades. <laughs> and I realized the Lord saved me from despair because I was never going to be a lawyer. Let's talk, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Let me let me help this one out. Uh, and uh, and he uh, he just showed me, hey, uh, all right, I did give you a voice and, and I gave you a love of this. And now, how am I going to use this for my glory okay. and, and to guide me through that? He, he okay. really did. All right, I'm going to take you back to the spiritual now. So you're a young man. You've uh, decided to follow Christ. Did you develop a hunger for the word immediately? Was that something that developed over time? Uh, what would you say? Uh, it was, yes, a hunger for the word. And uh, 
how do I say this, a, a deep sense of God's presence. And so what I mean by this is um, it, it, just this feeling, I am a child of God. I am a follower of Jesus. No uh, wishy-washy sort, sort of, you know, am I or, or are I not, or, or am I serious about this or not? Uh, it was, uh, I love God. I want to know more about God. I want to read the Bible. I want to go to everything that I possibly can, whether that's a wanna or youth group uh, or any sort of a Bible study. And, and I'm not in a Christian household, and so it's me going to this friend's house or this friend's church or, or whatever. Can't believe my parents allowed me to do all these things, but but they did. And so it's it's just little by little, anything that I could do that involved church or God's word or other Christians, anything I could do, I would do. It's just like I couldn't get enough of it. You talked about how the radio bug got you. Did you ever feel that you would become a pastor or some sort of ministry person? I'm embarrassed to say this, Wayne, but I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to tell you this. I had this conversation with my wife at the end of my internship, which was at the end of my Master of Divinity degree at Moody Theological Seminary. So I'd been in seminary for years. I get to the end of this. My wife goes, uh, hey, hey, can you see yourself doing this? Can you see yourself being a pastor? Can you see yourself preaching every week? And I said, no way. There's, <laughs> there's no way I'm going to do this every week. There's just no way. And then it was when she told me to pray, pray about your ministry, that's when this burden came. I mean, there, there are people who need Christ, mm-hmm. and they need Christ in our neighborhood, and we need someone to be a part of it. And God, you need to get a new church started in this neighborhood. Bring someone. I'll I'll be one of his elders. You know, I'll help him out. I'll do whatever <laughs> I can do. And uh, thick-headed, it took me a little while to go, hey, 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 dummy, you're the guy. You know, you're the guy. What do you think God's been training you for? And so I was the reluctant church planter, pastor, and now I look back on it after more than a decade with just such such gratitude to God for allowing me to do yes. this. So you're a pastor, but you're already a church planter. I mean, the church you're in, it's a, it's a restart in a way, isn't it? Yeah, I planted one church in the near western suburbs of Chicago and was there for about eight, nine years before moving farther west to be closer to my family. And I got connected to this church, Village Bible Church, and a church in a city called Naperville, Illinois, was really, they, they were struggling, uh, deeply passionate people, loved the Lord, but they just needed some help. And so they contacted us and said, hey, we have this building, uh, we, we want to give it to someone, we just want you to get something started. They said something that that's, it, stay, it will always stay with me. They said, we want a light for the gospel on this corner. Oh, good. And we believe you can help us do this. And so we, they, they handed us the keys to the building. Here you go. And my wife and I and our children and the, the rest of the staff at Village uh, have just said, all right, we're, we're going to get a new church started here. And we're still early in the process. And yet we can already see God's goodness and his fruit. And it's, it's just been a, a wonderful early journey. Well, you have this radio responsibility. As we said, it takes up a big chunk of your time. Uh, what do you do? Do you only preach at the church then? I'm technically called campus pastor, which means... I'm the pastor of the campus. You're it. <laughs> I'm, I'm it. We have a bigger team, a lot of folks that happen uh, help us out in the back office, and we have a lead pastor, an executive pastor. There's a lot of people that help in this, this multi-site environment. Uh-huh. And yet at that campus, it's my wife, it's okay. me, It's uh, we have a wor- wonderful worship pastor, Revelation, who, who's helping us out as well. 
but we are in charge of this campus. So it's all of the ministries, organizing everything, building up teams, discipling people, training leaders, as well as, yes, preaching every mm-hmm. Sunday mm-hmm. and some other responsibilities as well. Uh, that, that really requires this sense of, all right, team, we're in this together. Let, let's, let's do this. We're getting to know Cisco Cotto on this edition of First Person. We'll continue the conversation coming up in a moment. Here's Ed Cannon on the vision for FEBC's weekly podcast. The primary purpose of Until All Have Heard, of course, is to share the experience that FEBC has because we have staff on the ground in so many oppressive places. But in addition to that, we're trying to speak to you in a way that only the kind of testimonies you'll hear from around the globe can do. Discover how the gospel is making a difference around the world. Search for Until All Have Heard on your favorite podcast platform or hear it online at febc.org. My guest is Cisco Cotto. Cisco, as we've said, is the morning news anchor for WBBM Radio in Chicago, the top-rated news station, and uh, and a pastor. And uh, we, we talked about your family. Your wife is Anna, mm-hmm. and you have these three children that uh, keep you hopping, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. So let, let's talk about um, your, your career path in radio. I'm going back and forth between your faith and your calling here at Cisco, as you know. But talk about that career path. I, I know you have college radio in your background. But as I intimated earlier, you really jumped right into a major market station, didn't you? I don't think I grasped just how great that was at the time. In radio or TV, normally you're bouncing around. You're, you're in six or seven different markets in order to get to whatever that final destination is for mm-hmm. you. Always going up the ladder, yes. so to speak. Yeah, yeah. you start out yeah. really small, and then you get to medium, and, and you just slowly work your way up. I had an internship right out of college at a radio station in Chicago called WMAQ, and they hired me out of the internship. I had no idea that would happen. I had no hope that would even happen. It never yeah. even crossed my mind. Very old, clear channel station yes. in Chicago. Yes, mm-hmm. you could hear it around the country at mm-hmm. night. Actually, yeah, 670 a.m., yeah. And so I just started working there, living in my parents' basement, working in radio. I, I thought, oh, do- doesn't this happen to everyone? I, I don't know. It, no, it, it doesn't. And yet that was uh, a, a really good gift from God to be able to allow me to have time with my parents and my siblings that I wouldn't have otherwise had to allow me to stay in my hometown that I know so well, which as a news person is vital right. for you to really understand the community and the neighborhoods and the, the nuances of all of that. Uh, r- really a, a gift, but one one I never would have expected. For those who know Chicago Radio, you then went on uh, to WLS. Was it directly from MAQ? Yeah, went from WMAQ to WLS and spent quite a few years there as a news person and uh, an anchor reporter. Really wanted to try talk radio, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you, you, you interviewing people here, I was a little jealous of that. <laughs> I, I wanted to give that a try. And so I had to go to another radio station in order to do that. And that was a station called WIND in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Uh, A few years later, I came back to WLS as a talk show host. Sometimes you have to leave in order to come back home. (laughs) I understand. Yeah, (laughs) I did that. Especially in radio. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But that, it it was very difficult, though, because it was political talk radio. And uh, I, I don't know if you know this or not, Wayne, very divisive times we're living in. Yeah. And so to be in an environment where you had to always say, 
this party's right, this party's wrong, mm-hmm. this person's right, this person's and wrong. And you have to be provocative to, yes. to, get, to garner the audience, right? You, you can't just be milk toast, middle of the road, let's explore the issue. You, you can't do that. Everything you got to get people agitated. you got to get them ratcheted up here. And I got to a point where I thought, I, I just don't know if I can do this. I don't know if this honors God anymore. And I, I was wrestling with it, and that's right when I was getting ready to plant the first church. And I said, Lord, you know, th- this is a steady paycheck here. I-, I can't give this up. I have a family to provide mm-hmm. for. And so the radio station actually fired me for no other reason other than they, they had another guy they wanted to give the slot to. Uh, it was nothing. That, that's you know. also a radio lesson for you kids out there. That's <laughs> how it happens, right? <laughs> no, you didn't do anything wrong. We just want this other person to get a job. Oh, okay. I stayed friends with those bosses. And I said, wow, Lord, okay, you you do. You get that with that stirring, that, that sense of unease. That yeah. was the Holy Spirit yeah. saying, yeah, you can't do this anymore and be a pastor yeah. because Jesus is for all people. But he provided for you at yes. the same time, didn't he? Yes, he did. I, I, I'm i almost embarrassed to say this, that, that the way radio works for, for, for certain instances, you get these contracts mm-hmm. and they have to pay you for throughout the contract. They fired me. I still had six months left on my contract. They had to pay me to get a church started. And I, I'm sure that was not their intention at all. And in any way, very secular So bosses. WLS underwrote the church. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When they fired me, they, they brought me into the office and they said, yeah, we're letting you go. And I kind of knew it was coming. And I said to these bosses, two men who do not know the Lord, I said, God is using you and you don't even know it. Hmm. And they looked at me like I had a third eye. <laughs> and I think there was this sense of relief. Oh, oh good. He's not going to punch us. You know, or he's not going to cry yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're firing him. Oh, oh, okay, great. Yeah, you just go get your little church thing started. Yeah, that's, that's all right. Great. Have a great day. And uh, Little they, did they you know. know. They paid me for six months to get a church started. It was great. All right. Okay, so you've had this uh, career over many years in Chicago radio, uh, different stations, all iconic radio stations, by the way. I mean, WMAQ, WLS, WIND. Uh, Indiana is I N D Indiana. Yes, all those that's are Chicago right. Station. Everyone thinks it's Windy City. No, and it's no, not. no, no, no. And of course, now WBBM, the top-rated station here. Um, talk to me about being a a Christian in a secular marketplace. I had a, a a radio personality come to me one time, a believer, who was at one of those iconic radio stations in Chicago, and he said, "Boy, I wish I could, I wish I could be in Christian radio. I think that'd be so perfect." And I looked at him and I said, God has planted you where you are and you have influence for Christ that I could never touch. Uh, and and you need to understand that. And I don't know if that was un- really understood or not. God's given me great favor in that throughout my entire career, more than 20 years now, my entire career, I've never had uh, any criticism for being a Christian, never had to deal with any uh, difficult colleagues or anything like that. There's just always this respect. Oh, you're you're a radio guy and you're a pastor. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very blessed to have never had to deal with that. I have to deal with the the challenge of I can't, like when I'm on Moody Radio, I, I, I'm secular radio, I, I can't get on there and open my Bible and begin talking sure. to people. Well, we understand that, way, that. Right? sure. And yet there's this influence that you have really off the air, not only with colleagues, but also when people... In the in in the, the neighborhoods, go oh oh you're that guy from that radio. There, there's this I don't know how to explain it. You, you sort of have this uh, credibility mm-hmm. because you're the guy on this radio station, and they are more open to hearing you talk about Jesus mm-hmm. and, and sharing your I'm faith and that, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. How has radio changed? 
You've been in a number of years. It's challenging because this thing came along called the Internet. (laughs) And radio is built on advertising. And all it takes is 5 or 10% of a company's advertising budget to go over to the Internet Mm -hmm. for radio to begin to struggle. Radio is getting a bad rap, but it really is still a significant medium in Chicago alone, millions of people every day listen to the radio. That's I mean, across the country, millions, millions more. And yet radio is in this, this sort of identity existential crisis where it needs to let people know, hey, we're, we're still relevant here in order for it to stay going. Sure. Well, we're glad God's placed you where he has. I could talk radio with you all day long, Cisco. <laughs> but, that alone, right? But let me, yeah. let me turn back to the Lord. And by the way, uh, you've mentioned Moody a couple of times. Um, you've taught preaching and discipleship at Moody, which is a pretty unique role as well. So you've you've had some some interesting life experiences. Yeah, Moody in my blood, you know, yeah, getting yeah. me into radio and then studying there in the seminary, and, right. and then full circle to teaching. Right, and I know you're appreciated there. Yeah, I, I love the, the. There's a lot of people who are down on this next generation. You know, oh, oh what's going Ringing on? our hands. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. these students are fantastic. Love Christ. Passionate about His church passionate about sharing him with others and it's actually the uh, the thing that gives me the most hope about this next generation is spending time with this next generation at moody and seeing yeah, yeah. no god is at work absolutely i didn't warn you i was going to ask this question this is totally out of the blue here but just talk to me about your relationship with the lord now something fresh on your heart that has come from the word or from spending time with the lord there is a, a sense of God's sovereignty. I, I wish I could say it's just over the last few weeks or something. It's really been over the last couple of years, but it's, it's just a recurring theme of the importance of God's sovereignty as one of his attributes, uh, the, the goodness and confidence that we can have because of God's sovereignty. I, I'm just convinced, Wayne, and this is, I, 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 you didn't tell me you're going to ask this, and I'm, I'm going to try not to, uh, to shed some tears here because... Uh, of just how beautiful it is to know God is there and in charge and good and using everything for for my good mm-hmm. in in my life to make me more like Jesus. Yeah. And so, no matter what happens, uh, good, bad, otherwise painful or, or pleasurable, I can say with confidence, God is there and He's in it and He's sovereign, and that just. That just keeps coming back to me in these these waves, no matter what I'm reading. I was reading Ezekiel recently, and, and even in Ezekiel, I'm going, yes, God's there. He's caring for us. He's taking care of our shame and, and just, just just being so, so good. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, uh, yep. it's, it's a recurring theme, and yet one that I, I want to tell everyone, it's so important, so vital that we have an understanding of God's sovereignty. Michael Card refers to that as the inexpressible hesed. Of scripture, God's loving kindness. You don't get it in in this. It's so tough to explain, right? And yet, you experience it in His Word and in prayer, and, and seeing Him at work in the world and in your life. And you just you, you go, yeah, He's He's there and He's active, and it's really beautiful. My thanks to Cisco Cotto for sharing his story with us in this first-person interview. His work as a journalist and as a pastor is certainly unique and a great example of the variety of ways that God calls and equips people. To share what you've heard today, please visit FirstPersonInterview.com. Copy the link to this conversation and send it to someone else, perhaps to someone who listens to Cisco's voice every day on the radio. You can also download this program using our smartphone app, First Person Interview, available free in your app store. And please say thank you to the Far East Broadcasting Company for making this program possible. 
FEBC is a gospel-centered ministry reaching millions of people every day with God's Word. Visit febc.org for more. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening to First Person.